Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. This is Robert Fisher, your host, and tonight I have the great pleasure to welcome my guest, Gail Kahn, who's one of the principals of Phi Power Communications. I am particularly interested to learn more about how Phi Power works, uh, particularly since uh, one of the credos underlying the company is uh, the desire to find the truth of the situation, which I find to be quite unique for a marketing company today. And while we're waiting for Gail to call in, it should be momentarily, um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the company um, from what I've been able to gather so far. Uh, The company does a broad-based marketing uh, type approach and does a lot of work with online surveys. When Gail calls in, uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about her background uh, in the tech world and how she actually helped develop the software uh, that underlies the company's marketing strategy. So that should be extremely exciting to, uh, to find out more about. And uh, Gail should be with us any moment. Uh, While we're waiting for her, too, um, we can chat a little bit about um, online marketing. I know that I've experienced a lot of um, a lot of online marketing myself. And um, I think Gail is right with us. Hello, Gail. Hi, You're Robert. On the, How are you? I'm doing great. We were just talking about you, waiting for you to call in, and you're on the air, by the way. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, tell us a little more about the philosophy underlying Phi Power. Um, well, in today's world, we know that companies need to get information, and they need it quick, and they need to get a, an outside perspective. And so we are a full-service market research company, and our methodology is such that we built our own technology to help companies get answers. Um <clears throat> When you say your own technology, I think you're referring to the back-end technology The back-end, exactly. Right, the back-end. A lot of companies, a lot of big corporations uh, 
hire outside vendors. We're called vendors to help them do market research. And what we ended up doing, instead of renting someone else's technology, we built our own, which gives us a lot more flexibility. So we can do things that other people can't do. And and we just think that the more engaged people are with with the questions that they're asked, the more accurate the answers, the more they'll pay attention. Because let's face it, today people are very busy. So maybe they're doing uh, Facebook or maybe they're on their Twitter or maybe they're getting a voicemail and they're checking their iPhone or something. How do you get people to concentrate? So we try and do things a little different to get people to concentrate because at the end of the day, those answers are very valuable to, to companies. I totally agree with that. I can completely understand that. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about your own background, please? Sure. Um, I actually come out of the technology space. I I put a newspaper um, online in the early uh, 90s. I worked uh, at the Hollywood Reporter, and we were I was one of the first people to work with them on getting advertising and putting the paper online. And I remember in the early days, my editor would say. Well, you know, the people who are online are not the people who read the paper. And we used to fight all the time because I used to try and express to them it was one person. And then I went to work in consulting at IBM. Uh, IBM is a big consulting firm, and I worked in the media and entertainment practice, helping companies in the early 90s to try and figure out what, what's digital. How do you amortize your assets from one to, say, television? Can you use the same asset if you have a, a, an image? across different venues. And that kind of mm-hmm. moved too slowly for me. I, got, I wanted to go join the Internet, whatever that was. And I went and worked <laughs> at, a, at the time, uh, uh, kind of a midstream startup, a company called Broadcast.com that was now that was started by a guy named Mark Cuban. Uh, Mark Cuban, the guy who owns the Dallas Mavericks. He and his partner Todd started a company. And it was the sort of the big... Um, halcyon days of the internet when everything was really booming and uh, I ran the company on the west coast and ended up um, getting part of the IPO once we got bought by Yahoo and uh, worked at Yahoo for a while and that really didn't suit me I you know Yahoo is they want to be all things to all people but at the end of the day they're really just selling ads and eyeballs like anybody else Right. And they squandered a lot of opportunities because the truth is Yahoo had um, bought two companies. One is the year before they bought Broadcast.com, they bought a company called GeoCities. GeoCities was the first personalized homepage. So you could oh. put things in HTML back then. You could have some uh, some voice on it. And people, it was kind of like an early form of a blog in a sense. And they bought that company for almost $4.7, $4.8 billion. And wow. then the year next year, they bought Broadcast.com for $5.7 billion. So they bought these two companies and essentially did not know what to do with the acquisitions and basically squashed both technologies. I mean, Broadcast.com was the first streaming media company. They streamed the Victoria's Secret runway show, and it literally crashed the servers. It became a case study at Harvard as to how a company came out of nowhere and did this. Um, and GeoCities, in fact, I think it was two years ago, they finally just closed it down completely because, in a sense, 
GeoCities was kind of like a precursor to a MySpace or a Facebook. See, if they had real vision and looked at where the market was moving, they could have maybe morphed that. They had over a million users, so that's a, a substantial amount of people that they could have carried along into other Absolutely. forms of the technology. So it goes to say that a lot of companies would not exist today if they had figured out what they were doing. It's the same thing that Microsoft wouldn't exist or or, or Apple if you know Steve Jobs didn't ever see what was going on at Xerox you know, and see what was happening. You know, I mean, right. that's what happens. So what happened after uh, after you were working at Yahoo? You decided to go out on your own at that point. Yeah, and I, 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 I was, I was uh, literally pregnant with my first child, and and you know, wanted to start working again. And I, I, because I was known, I was from Los Angeles at the time, and I was kind of known in the community. Somebody introduced me to this other woman, and she and I started a research company. Uh, because we got a job, we went we went to a meeting together at Nestle, and they hired us on the spot to do market research for them. I mean, literally, we went into our first meeting and we got a job. We're like, and they were paying That's us substantial money, and we were like, oh my God, what are we doing? So we <laughs> we we did this job, and we had to deliver bad news, which is always very hard when you do a project for somebody to tell them that the project's not going to fly. And it was just one of many things that happened to this particular division of, of uh, Nestle. So we ended up starting a company, and uh, one thing led to another, and we ended up renting a back end, meaning a software from a company, because we started to see that online research was going to become the, the next new thing. So, right. um And, then and this we was in the early, around 2000, 2001? 2000, exactly. Yeah, and our clients then were like Warner Music and... Uh, oh gosh, uh, Warner Music. We did a lot of work for. Our, we did work for Maverick. We did work for Toyota, Nestle, um, MGM. We did a ton of stuff. And um, I left the company because you know I had differences with my partner, and I, I really thought we could do more things instead of just. Um, you know, do more interesting things. And so I ended up right. when I left. Writing, uh, got getting involved with my husband, who was at the time working on a software development, and that software we were able to repurpose and roll into this company. So we started this. It's now we're going into our eighth year, and uh, the software is built in Flash, which allows us to even do not only studies on on the internet, but we can also do them on a tablet. We can't at this point do it on an iPad because. Um, Flash is written by Adobe, and Adobe and Apple had a falling out because Steve Jobs had a big fight with the guy who runs Adobe, and that's why they went in another direction. Right. Apple did. So um, if we wanted to do things on an iPad, we needed to we need to rewrite the software and what they call HTML5. Right. Which is well, let me ask you something. How would you say that that your marketing strategy or, or tools differs from a lot of the online surveys that we're all accustomed to at this point that sure. we all get? That, that's a good question. What we do is we we our big goal is to engage the consumer with whatever we're asking them to look at or do. So what we put in all our surveys there's there's voice, so information is read to you. We show images. We even let people build products themselves. We And also we're able to point out differences in products because 
will have arrows moving across the page and pointing out things. So it's in a sense like we're having a shared experience. We try and make it as in, as interesting as possible because a lot of times market research can be really dull, can be really Absolutely. boring online. And what we didn't want this to be is boring because I don't want to be bored, to be honest with you. For sure, for sure. And and. What is the average length of your surveys? Like, how long does it take people to complete? Well, we tend to like short studies, so we like to do studies that are 10 minutes in length. That's, for us, an ideal. Certain companies, like in the consumer product world um, and sometimes medical, pharmaceuticals, they tend to do long studies, and they're very drawn out. And we think that hurts the response rate because people who take the studies get tired. There's fatigue. I mean, you're looking at something for 20 minutes online, answering question after question. So we tend to like to do short studies. And is there any type of prize or reward that's promised to the person who takes the survey? Oh, that's interesting. Well, it it depends. Like what we often do when 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 we go out and get the sample that we need, sample of the respondents, the people that take the studies, they're entered into a um, they're entered into a sweepstakes. Now it just depends on the company we work for. Sometimes we'll do sweepstakes, and sometimes we'll actually, you know, say we're going to give everybody a um, an Amazon gift certificate, or you're entered into winning an iPad. It really just depends on the company we work for and what they mm-hmm. decide is is valued for their consumers. Yeah. Right. So it's usually tied to the particular company you're working with. Exactly. Ter- but but we compensate everybody. We do because we don't. I, I think you should. If people are taking their time to do something, they should get compensation for it. Right. I, I I think that's a good strategy because today in almost anything that you do, if you call up an airline or a bank, very often they try and keep you on the line to exactly. Get, to get your impression of the customer service person who you work with. And quite frankly, I find that to be particularly annoying uh, it in is general. Very annoying. Yeah, I do too. I, I think so too because that it's kind of like a mixed metaphor. You know, it's like saying, uh, you know, we got you, now will you do this? Right. First of all, you're, if I'm not in the mood for it, you, you have to politely say, you have to not even ask. I, I don't think it's the right time to ask people once you got them on the phone because that's not their purpose there. Their purpose is right. to get information. Right. Not to tell you and not not to, not to tell the company how great they are. Right. I know that Chase has a particularly devious way of prolonging <laughs> any call you make to customer service because right. they can spend a minute or two explaining that you've been selected to for a customer service survey on your representative if you wish to stay on the phone, you know, longer than your than the call would have taken in terms of speaking with the customer service rep, but the way they do it takes at least a minute, the way they explain it. It's unbelievably annoying. They're probably not sensitive as they should be to the customer, to be honest with you. I mean, banks, unfortunately, are not usually highly rated in consumers' eyes um, because your customer is everything to you because to acquire a new customer costs the company, anybody, more money than to keep a customer they have happy. Right. So to have a happy customer, you're gonna you'll buy more services from a company or you'll buy more products. But if you annoy people off, annoy people and they drop out, it's it's very difficult to get them back. 
Right. I'd be curious to know your take on the fact that with the way things have evolved with social media, almost any business that you could go into, no matter what it is, even artists are forced to become marketing gurus. You know, they're forced to become savvy on what's going to work in terms of attracting people and keeping mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm, almost mm-hmm. like what you're doing. But mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. it's almost as if everybody has to become aware of that. I mean, what do you think of that that trend? Well, it, it's it's kind of odd because um, everything is, is, is forced to commoditize. So I'm not so interested in that level of commoditization and having everybody speak about everything because the truth of the matter is, like, within social media or even Facebook, it's very hard for them to monitor everything and everyone on these sites. The people who can have a Facebook page, you can have Susie Q's picture up there, but the person who's who's putting up the the tweets or, or putting up information on Facebook could be sitting in India doing that. That's right. You have no idea. That's so right. I I don't find that information so relevant and so interesting to me unless I truly know that person. Mm-hmm. But has the, that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I no. just think that that's the scary part to me that companies are abandoning other things because now they're looking at this information. It's very broad stroked. It's and I right. think it's it's very hard for for individuals because not everything is a commodity and it can't be that's reduced right. to a commodity. That's right. But has that phenomenon uh, affected your philosophy or your working methodology in that you're actually in the business of doing that, yet so many people find themselves not in the business of doing it, but being forced to to do, in a sense, what right. you're doing? Right. I, I think it would be very difficult for individuals or even small companies to do this. I, I don't know how they... Um, you know, I mean, I, I understand how to do it, but I don't know how they would monitor and understand how their customers are really reacting to them. Because, again, it could be a lone person, Susie M., who's blogging, saying terrible things about your company or, or tweeting terrible things about your company. How do, you, how do you make that, how do you get people not to see that or not make it relevant to you? Even if you have a picketer outside your store, what do you do? Um, we don't do that kind of research. Uh, we we can look at social trends, but we're not going to look at, you know, the effect of. It, it, Twitter is big in this country, but is it absolutely? It's going to be blocked in different parts of the world. You know that at different times. Right. That's the new do you thing. do you think that 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 barrier is going to eventually come down? You're talking about in places like China or the Middle yeah, East. Yeah, or and, the- and probably the Middle East and probably a lot of other places. Um, I'm a proponent of freedom on the Internet. I think it's very important, um, and I think that the United States really needs to take a very hard line. I don't even understand why. I mean, these companies are so big, they absolutely need to do business in these countries. But if they're not adhering to our rules, why are they? Why are we doing business with them and sort of compromising the way we do business? I don't understand that, me personally. Right. Um, but I'm not that big of a corporation, and I don't... Um, you know, I look at what they're doing, and I don't, I don't understand why Twitter will, would bow to that. I think it's really um, a shame. Well, I, I think that's a, that's a very valid point. Um, how much of your work is done internationally at this point, and are you looking to expand internationally? It, we do do work internationally already. Um, a lot of clients do work. You know, we've done lots of studies overseas in China and India, Germany, uh, France. Um, we probably do, I would say, a third overseas and two-thirds in the United States. 
Mm-hmm. And what's the receptivity of foreign individuals to surveys as opposed to Americans? Have you noticed any any trends in um, that regard? Well, the the um, uh, everybody around the world is used to taking surveys. It doesn't seem to be a problem. Um, the only thing that you do have to be careful when you do take studies around the world is that the regulations for what you need to do per country are very different. Even though Germany is part of the EU, they have very strict laws about what you can and can do on the Internet. Uh, and you have to just be careful also because when you open up a study in a foreign country, um, sometimes people respond that are in, not in that country. So you have to be very careful that who you work with really understands the market and has a very clean database for that market because otherwise the data you can get could be coming from a completely different market. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I, I I know that you're involved in a lot of consumer product work, but you've also done work for TV and film. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's your favorite niche to do work <laughs> in? Well, um, it's interesting. We we like to do um, we we do a lot of work in the technology space also. So we really like technology. We like new things. We like to work on new things because that's really interesting to see how receptive and where the market's moving. Um, We've done work in television, obviously, because my partner came out of the TV world. So uh, he's a he's a real expert in, in understanding television and media trends. Um, so we're, we're, our our favorite our favorite is to really get a client that lets us do our thing and doesn't put ropes on us, you know, because sometimes they're afraid. To them, some people, the internet is still. It's not that it's new, but just the methodology and the way we get there could be new to some people. Some people are pretty old-fashioned. They, you know, the pictures may be, is it leading to people? Is it too much bandwidth? I mean, people really need to know a lot about what's going on on the Internet. And oftentimes, that even people inside companies are not that well-versed with, uh, can this be done on a dial-up, for instance? Um, you know, bandwidth is, is huge today. I mean, people, very few people are still on dial-up connections, even in rural communities. Right. Right. And but you do get the, asked that question. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, in terms of the surveys that you develop, what's the timeline? For instance, if I came to you as a tech company and I said to you, Gail, I'd like you to develop a survey to prove a certain thing or to look into right. a certain thing, how long does it take you to develop a, a specific survey sure. for that company? So, um we just worked for a high-tech company, um, a very big one, and they asked us to look at some commercials that they ran in a in the NCAA and that they're going to take this campaign and run it all year in variations, and they wanted us to see how impactful it was. So, um, And they needed it fast. So we were able to do this all in, meaning we, we did the survey, we, we, we built the survey, we hosted it, meaning we got all the people to come and take a look at it, and then we calculated results in two weeks. That's incredibly fast. <laughs> so it's incredibly fast, yeah. And normally what we wait fast. on is the yeah. client approvals because they have to sign off on the questions we're asking, the look and feel, the study. They take it once themselves to see if they like it. And right. then we also QA it, meaning we, 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 we have we have we hire um we have QA specialists, you know, and we have a, a staff of those people, then we hire new ones just to test it again just because you have to time everything. You time every page. You want to see the length, how fast they took it, were there any glitches. And once we get the sign-off on all that, we're ready to go. 
Right, it's in terms of fast. the number, that, that's really incredible and much faster than I would have expected because, you know, you could have, uh, you could be waiting for an approval in some companies oh, for God, weeks. Yes, yes, don't ask. I mean, don't ask. But the, the hardest part is getting consensus. It's like of getting course. 72 grandmothers in a room and they all have a different <laughs> angle. Right. And for instance, in, in, in a typical survey, not that I'm sure, I'm sure they vary tremendously and they're custom tailored, but how many people do you look to survey? That, in, that's interesting. It's a good question. Statistically valid in our business is 500 people. But, but if, we, if we take what we call a group of people and we want to do a certain design, we may say that 150 per what we call cell, per group, so like by demographic, it gets very granular. We can do very specific granular groups. We can also zip code people. We can target by zip code. We can target in so many different ways. And then you get to slice and dice the data in different ways. That's fascinating, actually. It's amazing actually. what you can get. Yeah, yeah, it's really pretty cool. And, and do you have um, a, a source of all these people, or do you go out, let's say, for each new company and get a new source of potential people to take the survey? That, that's actually interesting. A, a lot of companies maintain what they call their own databases, so the source of the people. We don't because we feel that data is a dynamic conversation. And I agree with that. sit in cyberspace, so to speak, like in line at the movies. You know, they're not waiting. So we go right. to people who are really, that's all their businesses. They're specialists in, data devel- in, in databases. That's what they do. And so we, we work with many different companies. So we go to specialists for X. We want this one. We go to them. We, we just say we want... Um, you know, moms with kids we, that are under three, we go to this one. You know, we're, we're very, very interesting. Who we go to. Interesting. And I'm just curious, how do these companies acquire their database of those well, specific demographics? Everybody does it differently, believe it or not. Everybody. There's no two that do it alike. Uh, some mm-hmm. people do it. Some people. Um, some people, if you go to a website, they'll ask you, do you after you've read something, they say, do you, would you like to get more information or join something about this? I mean, everybody does it differently. Some people were, um, if you do a focus group, which means an in-person interview, they'll say, would you like to join a panel and take other studies? So some people gather that way. There's so many different ways, really. Right, right. And, you know, I'd be curious to know, as someone who deals with so many companies, and, and these companies are very much concerned with the impact that their particular advertising or campaigns are having on consumers, mm-hmm. what's your opinion on the whole notion of branding, which has been such a hot topic issue in the last few years? Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a really hard one. Um, well, for for me, a brand is very much alive, and I think the reason why brands need to stay in touch with their consumers is because little things can can get blown up and and can really hurt a brand. So it, it's important to listen to what your consumers are saying. Like, for instance, if it's a food product and people are saying they want healthier food or they want less salt in it, a company needs to really hear that because. Quite frankly, people will just eventually stop buying, uh, right. and it's going to hurt the brand. So a brand is 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 a living, breathing thing, and um, I, I think what happens is that companies also sort of sit back a little bit and rest on their laurels. When a brand is successful, they figure they don't touch it. You know, they don't want to mess with it. But on the other hand, 
there's all these upstarts all the time. These all these companies that come out of nowhere and take a great pot shot at a, a well-known brand, and they Absolutely. struggle to come back. So I think you have to be very mindful of your customers and, and really look at trends and what's happening in the marketplace. Yeah, I think that's probably very good advice. And it you know it just seems that in the last couple of years, everyone is obsessed with the notion of branding and the value placed on that seems to well, be really right, important. Right. It it is important and um but but it it's also the mighty fall. That's the problem. You know, nobody would nobody would have thought that a Kodak would be going bankrupt for crying out loud. Right. I mean that was a mighty brand, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But but you know, just looking at that situation it wasn't really the name that needed propped up. It was no, that needed no. to be propped up. It was the quality and the substance of the products that they were right. producing or not producing that caused. Or not this producing, to right? Right. You know, but they think that they could hide behind the brand name in this case. Do you know what I mean? And, and you can't. The brand they, doesn't protect you. That's right. Today, I don't think it's going to. And no. there are certainly. I mean, if you look at Apple as a brand, I, I find that yeah. to be the most amazing brand that we have today, maybe perhaps next to Google in terms of recognition. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, and, you know, the way they built, obviously the way they, that company was built up was unique in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's really interesting how I think one of the the byproducts of what we're seeing today is that there is an openness and availability for new brands to just come right onto the horizon Absolutely. and snatch business away. <laughs> yep. And that's yep. probably what the more established companies are very paranoid about. Exactly. And that's actually why they go on buying sprees, because right. they buy a competition or they buy something that they think is going to have a future for them. Because look at a Coke or a Pepsi. I mean, they know that um, their their home brand, meaning like the regular Coke or Pepsi, is waning, so they went into right. the IT business, they went into the water business, then they went into the coconut water right. business. You know, they're going to look for what the next trends are. Exactly, and, and look at what exactly, and look at what Starbucks just did in terms sure. of buying this ju- juice company on the West right, Coast. Exactly. I think it's called that Evolution, uh, right, because right, that's exactly. going to be the next big thing: coffee bars right. mixed with juice bars, sure. which is something right. I've always thought would be an incredible right. combination. Because right. people I, people want to get healthy, and 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 right. they don't know necessarily how to do it on their own. So right. if, if consumers or if companies are smart, they're going to figure out ways to push that product back to yeah. consumers. And Gail, I'm sorry. Anything. I'm sorry to say Super. that we're we, we're running out of time. Okay. I want to thank you so much for appearing on Monergy thank Life you. and have a good evening, as well as to good. all the listeners. Hope to speak with you soon. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye bye. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.